Welcome to the Freedom Factor. I'm your host, Oliver Bardwell, and today we have a special guest, Representative Helena Hayes. Thank you, Oliver, for having me. I'm excited to be here. For sure. You know, you've been in the freedom movement for a long time, and now you're actually up in the Capitol um, fighting on the front lines. How does that feel? Well, actually, let me correct you on a little on that a little bit already. A long time. I wouldn't say a long time already because like many other families and parents and people that I know personally, we've only been involved basically since COVID. COVID was definitely the red pill moment for a lot of us. That's when I started to pay attention to the the winds and politics and and then that sort of you know how politics is. It's a little bit addictive. <laughs> Once you get started and you start paying attention, you start really seeing, wow, we got a lot of problems. And so, yeah, I I would say like a lot of people, it's only been in the last couple of years. Yeah, it seems like a but long time, been, though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a couple of years for us, too. Um, and, and, it, and it was the COVID that really red-pilled us. I mean... It was amazing how quickly things turned into some sort of Twilight Zone movie, you know? Yes, definitely. How did you start when you woke up to everything that was going on? What were the first actions you took and how did that lead you to being a representative in your district? And what district is that again? Okay, well, yeah, let me let me catch your your viewers all up on that. So thank you again for having me. I'm excited to be here. So again, my name is Helena Hayes. I am from District 88, Iowa House District 88, which includes half of Mahaska County, all of Keokuk County, and then part of Jefferson County. The truth is, I am not a politician. And as a matter of fact, I see a shift away from politicians going into office and just average normal people who have lives and children and families. And so my story began because in June of 2021, we had an incident in the Pella pool. A 15-year-old girl went topless at the pool because she identified as a transgender boy. Of course, in the conservative city of Pella, you can imagine that really took some people by surprise and they were upset, rightfully so, because nothing had been done at the pool regarding that. And so the next city council meeting, which followed, I think about a week, week and a half after that event, the next meeting was standing room only. There was uh, overflow crowd outside. <laughs> and that's because the city council owns the Pella Public School uh, as one of their departments. And so lots of parents spoke that night for the very first time, including me. You get your three minutes to go to the microphone and, and have your piece. That meeting lasted Gee, I think two hours or something just to hear all the concerns and stuff until people, there was nobody left to to voice their concerns. And, and at the end of that, the city council came back and said, we are not going to take any further action. And as you can imagine, yeah, the parent, we, we as parents went, we don't, we don't, we don't like that answer. We can't settle for that answer because something is, you know, incredibly wrong here. So they did so because gender identity is in the civil rights code along with sexual orientation. We were told, take it to the Capitol. We can't do anything, go up there. So we did. We got a group of people together, um, 
Well, actually, even before that time, I was at a barbecue at my neighbor's house, not too far from here. And, and we were just talking amongst ourselves about what we were going to do about this issue. And so we started a Facebook page and called it Keep Pella Family Friendly. That just skyrocketed. We had eight, 900 uh, followers within just a few weeks. They We followed that issue closely as we you know, tried to talk more, just uncovering things, looking, asking questions, just having a conversation about what was going on. And then we began to ask, what are we, what are we going to do about this? And so we found a petition that somebody was doing to strike gender identity out of the civil rights code. We jumped on that opportunity. We formed a group, an advocacy group called Protect My Innocence, which seeks to push back against the sexualization of children in the form of books and drag shows and curriculum and sex ed. It goes on and on. And so I met, I think I met the, the bookstore owner. There's a little bookstore in Pella and he was at one of yes. our rallies and he was with protect my innocence. Yes. Yeah, and then of DJ. course they were at that meeting we had last Monday. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Pella books. Great place. I don't think you're yeah. going to find any obscene books in his store, uh, at least for children. I know that's for sure because he wouldn't allow that. Is there's there's something? So I've anyway, been yeah, there. that's one of the things that I do is when anytime I go to a small town, I look for the local bookstore. <laughs> and my my daughter goes to college there, so we stopped in one oh, time. Right. My wife and I were there, and yeah, and you you yeah. you know you wouldn't be surprised probably that the hate you give is required reading for every freshman. That comes I in. saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a girl who's 15 says, I feel like I'm a boy, so I'm going to not wear my shirt at the pool and I'm going to use the boy's locker or the boy's shower room. Yes. Okay. Wow. And yeah, because of that event, we started going to the Capitol and started asking questions. And, you know, we came to, to realize, like many parents, we have not just a school problem, a library problem, a state problem, or even a national problem, you guys, we have a global problem that, that seeks to destroy children via civil indoctrination. So yeah, uh, from there, I I pushed back against why our representatives weren't, why we weren't taking a stand on this. And I'm excited because I see uh, elections do make a difference. And that's what happened in the primary and the general this past year that uh, how many new Republican freshmen came in? We have 24 new freshmen out 24. of the 64. Wow, 24 new. And that was probably a direct result from all this woke craziness that's going on. Um, a lot of it was. Uh, but, you know, we did have redistricting. That heard. When that happens, you have people that retire, people that... Um, maybe move over to the Senate or, you know, lots of, lots of changes like that. And so it was the biggest uh, class in several decades. And so, yeah, it wasn't just that, but it most certainly, that was a major factor in it. So that's exciting. So how do you go from a pissed off parent to <laughs> now you're, now you're actually at the house, you're a representative you're voting on bills, pushing legislation to fix all this stuff. Wow. That's a really good question. <laughs> you know what? You, that's you, why I told you, you it's going to take a lot longer than 15 minutes to do this. Yeah. 
you know, how do you go from, yeah, from a, a pissed off parent to a legislator? Right. You know what? Day by day, it's incremental. And as you learn and as we grow and change ourselves, you you really become motivated to to truly just make a difference. So how, do, how did I do that? It was door to door. It was door by door. You know what? Day by day. And so I, I, like I said, I'm not a political person, but I had a lot of assistance, a lot of people that helped me out. And I have to give them credit for that because, and of course, all credit goes to the Lord too, because he has enabled this to happen. And, and I just thank him for that. And, and I intend to make sure that that is, that I do not forget that, that, that he is the one that brought me into this. He continues to go before me and especially a lot of the other new freshmen. So yeah, gosh, those are good questions. (laughs) <laughs> and I think that makes the difference when you have that moral compass and you have that faith, you're less likely to be swayed by someone that doesn't have that, I believe. Well, you have to have a starting ground. You know, we can't be relative. Not all things are relative. If you don't have a base, a principle from which to see the world and to to move forward on, yeah, what what are you left with? You're, you, you're, you shift with the winds and... It's just common sense. So so you decided to run, and I know you worked your butt off, and and here you are. What's this session look like? What does, you know, we had the school choice um, bill that's just rushed kind of right through the House and the Senate committees. We had a lot of great people there speaking on behalf of that, and I know you've been inundated with emails from both sides. What's the next step for that? We certainly have been quite busy. We're only two weeks into the session. Some some districts are receiving thousands of emails regarding school choice. The school choice bill has passed the, the committee process and will now be already going to debate early of next week. Once that debate is finished, we will be taking a vote on that bill and 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 moving forward. You know, this the school choice has been on the on the table for several years now. I had one one email that asked, you know, why are why are you even doing this? You know, why why are you guys trying to change, you know, the, the status quo? What's so wrong? And part of the uh, priorities in the party right now, in our Republican Party, and at the House, the State House, answers that question because three of our most important priority bills have to do with that reason why school choice is being made available to all Iowans. And that that has to do because children are being uh, exposed to things that they should not be exposed to in the public schools. And parents are sounding off as they rightly should. They want a safe place for their, for their students. We're, we're putting all options on the board. So yeah, next week is going to be a very busy week at the state house by, by Wednesday. At the latest, we'll know something. I'm guessing. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> so, so when are the when exactly are the debates? Um, you mean like the, time? the, the floor debates? Do you know when the Senate and the House are? No, it, it's being it debated not, in both chambers, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, but it has not been it has not been scheduled. Oh, okay. uh, so I can't say debate starts at this time. It just I know it'll be it'll be Monday or Tuesday. Okay. As far as, as I know. Sure. So, and so when yeah. you talk about this, these books and the educational material and whatnot that parents are just struggling with, 
Terry with Moms for Liberty sent me over a copy of that book that they handed out at the Capitol, and it's called The Lookbook. And it really gives you a startling look into some of these books. And there's a rating system. I was going to show some of it, but I don't, I think I would get banned from YouTube if I showed some of the content of these books that our kids are reading in school right now. I would be embarrassed to read excerpts of them. Yes. Now, if we were in the school district and you were a teacher, you would be exempt because of the obscenity law says that you're not held to that. But yeah, so we try to be careful about showing and, and exposing those books because they have very inappropriate, graphic, obscene pictures and, and stories in them. And yes, Terry and Mom Liberty, all those incredible ladies have worked tirelessly on the book look. And wow. I'm uh, just scrolling through this right now. And yeah. I've got to say, I'm appalled. I mean, especially at the graphic novels. I mean, it's don't, pornography. Don't <laughs> I won't share my screen because then I'd be put in jail. But this is pornography in the school system. And then you read some of the excerpts from some of these books. Terry started to read one to me earlier today. And I said, stop, stop, stop. I get it. I get it. It's porn, you know, fine for an adult, but not for, for a teenage kid or even a junior high kid, you know? Right. A lot of these books are, are, can be found in the elementary schools and, so, and that's going to address some of the, we're going to address some of the bills that are coming forward uh, from the priority of the, the party. So when it comes down to ages. If you see my face scrunching up, it's because I'm scrolling through this to get to the last Stop page. I, no more. I can see, I can see how <laughs> they stirred the nest a little bit last week with these. Looks like the winner here is uh, Valley High School. They have like 71 of these books and they. Yep. They, uh, there's a rating system. I think they pulled a rating system and it's zero to five. And that's something that we talked about at that meeting last Monday with you and, um, the education chair and the other legislators was coming up with a rating system, um, which makes sense. You know, we have ratings for movies, right? Why not have ratings for books? Yep. That's right. And I don't think I don't think they put any fives on there. Everything that I think, don't quote me on this from Terry, but I'm pretty sure there are threes and fours. Yeah, I think they the, only, the highest they put on there was four. And then they have the, the summary page. They have a list of all this, a bunch of schools in Iowa, and then the number of books that they have either in the library, their classroom, or some of these are even required. Right. Oh, there is a number five. It's called... Uh, push oh my gosh i think there's some uh graphic uh incest in this book i have not i haven't seen that one i'm good okay anyway yeah you get the picture but what are the other three bills that are so important that you're talking about that addresses these things and how can we support you in the okay so some of the priorities that the party is bringing forward which i'm so absolutely tickled to see I'm very, very encouraged. You know, I got involved in this because this uh, protecting children is is obviously kind of a trainer and is very important to to us. And so, thankfully, the leadership and um, previous representatives are bringing forth some wonderful stuff that many, many of the freshmen are 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 
excited to get behind. So the first one I'm going to talk about is um, is House File 8. This has been introduced, but I don't believe it's uh, it's been assigned to a subcommittee, but it hasn't um, hasn't uh, happened yet. I, it'll probably be on the schedule for next week or or quickly afterwards uh, the following week. So hey, real quick, Helena, would you explain yeah. to someone how? Okay, so we've got HF eight. It's been introduced. You think it's assigned to a subcommittee? How can you explain to our listeners the process of how a bill becomes a law? Kind of just like a synopsis. Sure. So yeah, any any representative or senator can submit an idea. They really just start with ideas and they take them to the respective offices at the the LSA or or our own our own staff, and they will draft it in the legal language that has to be there. And once that bill is drafted and proved, they work really hard at getting all of the kinks out of it. They they bring it to us and we approve it, get co-signers. Once that's all done, uh, then it is read in on a on a legislative day. Once it's read in, it's assigned to a subcommittee. A subcommittee is a very a small group of representatives, usually about three. I think it's only three always. You got to remember, I'm still a freshman here. <laughs> Once it passes out of subcommittee, it may pass or may not pass. That subcommittee is made up of two two Republicans and one Democrat, by the way. Then it moves on to the larger committee, which uh, there are 22 or 24 committees in the House. And so um, it is it is it moves on to the larger committee, which may consist of sometimes that's only as little as 10 to upwards of in the 20s the low 20s. And so it depends on which committee. So there are various sizes of that. Then it's discussed and presented in that committee. Once, If it passes through that, then it is eligible to go up on the calendar for a debate. And so it gets scheduled in for that. There's lots of discussion. There's there's lots of discussion in caucus. There's amendments being proposed, things like that. You know, it's getting wrestled with. Every, every word is being wrestled with. Uh, then it can be uh, brought to the floor in the debate, and then we hear, hear from both sides. And then, yes, we finally get to vote on it. This will be the the floor debate for school choice will be the first debate for 24 of us freshmen of the year. So we're two weeks in and we've had our first, we'll have our first debate on the third week. And so it'll be one of many for the rest of this session. So we're all excited. I know I'm excited to see the mechanics of, of the debate. I haven't, haven't watched a lot of them um, yet, uh, you know, past ones that have been recorded. So I'm looking forward to actually getting to be a part of it this time. And so that's, that's the gist of it. And of course gets voted on. And so let me, let me, I want to make a point there. I want to interject that it mm-hmm. comes from an idea. And a lot mm-hmm. of times that idea comes from concerned citizens. Oh, Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So they petition you, they call you, they email you, they go down to the Capitol, they fill out a slip, they talk to you. Anybody can start the process, any person. And so the struggle that I have, and I was in, you know, a few years ago before we had this issue, I woke up and I thought, oh, you know, my voice doesn't matter. You know, we can't make a difference. They don't care about what we think. They're all corrupt politicians, right? But what I've learned is that our representatives actually listen to us. They want to hear from us and we need to support them, right? Absolutely. And and one thing you're going to learn is, you know what? They're just normal people. Like exactly. Me. 
and <laughs> they are uh, they are drinking from a fire hose, especially their first couple of years, <laughs> learning just all the because you know I'm a mom of twenty years. I've, I'm homeschooled for twenty years. I've you know I'm. I, I, I don't have a political background, nor do I have even, you know, lawyer, doctor, you know, all those kinds of fancy titles that that um, ha- have all that special lingo uh, language, you know, and the this kind of stuff. When we talk about politics, there is language to it. You know, here here's here's one bill. Look at this. This can be very boring looking. Here, I'll hold it up for you. Right. OK. Right. How many people get excited over <laughs> Iowa code. Exactly. Trust me, some people do. Just talked to somebody in my county today who loves to print these off and take them home and read them. <laughs> yeah, I've printed many looks- off and highlighted and underlined and written in the margins. Yes. Uh, it's yes. not leisurely well, fun. It's not. It's hard. It's hard work. But yeah, um, what you just said is key because. We, you need, everybody needs to know who their House of Representative is, who their Senator is, okay? Personally know them by their first name, reach out to them somewhat regularly, you know, a couple times a year or something more if you know of issues that you're following and follow up with them because I know I have realized, wow, I'm going to be so busy. If you want to reach, if you, you know, just please reach out to them because they are just trying to keep their head above water a lot of times. And so uh, we do want to hear from the voters and the people that we represent. Absolutely. You know, I didn't know who, who my representatives were before COVID either. And I quickly found out and I found that they want to talk to you and they want to know what you, what you're thinking and what you're concerned about because they're up there in the middle Absolutely. of uh, sometimes what can be, like a snake yeah. pit. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. I've talked to a lot of, a lot of folks up there and, and I know it's not easy. So this bill, now that we, we kind of understand the process, uh, HF eight, what is that bill about? And what is so, that going to do for yes. our kids? So every bill gets a title number like that. And oftentimes they will get assigned sort of a, just a regular name. So house file eight, in Florida, was called the "Don't Say Gay" bill, okay. even though that's kind of a misnomer. It, it doesn't really lend to positive words there. But basically, this this bill, which has been uh, sort of modeled after what Sanchez did, will prohibit the teaching of gender identity and sexual orientation in a school, school districts, public school, and charter schools. Four grades, kindergarten through three, grade three. That's what that's where this bill sits right now as it was introduced. Now, I can guarantee you that age is going to be, uh, there's going to be some amendments on that. I, for sure, will be suggesting that that be 12th grade. Okay. I'm glad you said that. I was about ready to come out of my seat. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I, yeah. Third grade is too. I mean, you're right. I think, uh, I don't think we need any of that. Yeah. It starts for K through third because it was modeled after the, the Florida bill. But yeah, what difference does it make if the child is nine or 10? All of a sudden now we, we, we qualify them to be instructed in gender identity. And right, right, because they're just no. finding out that Santa Claus isn't real. Right, so, exactly. So maybe they can 
decide what gender they are? You know, I want to I want to really encourage people because there are moms all across the state who are crying out against this. Okay. They are saying, you guys, please listen to me. Look at what's happening in my schools. I'm pulling my child out or um, they're, they're coming home with these horror stories. I've, I've heard them and I've heard so many. One thing that I want to encourage moms and dads on is that this bill has 34 co-signers. Okay. That is really key. Wow. I point that out because uh, there are 64 Republicans. For any bill to pass in the Iowa House, you need a majority vote, right? We have 100 representatives. That means we have 100 districts. <laughs> you can see my map back here. Right, I can these, see it. When you guys get to the Capitol, moms, dads, anybody watching, make sure you get one of these. They're free uh, at the desk. Um, there's a little room down in the, um, the, the, the cafeteria area, or you can get them at the uh, like the gift shop area. Maybe I'll get one but, and put it up next to my uh, <laughs> Islands for Freedom artwork there. <laughs> so it, it's all color coded for districts and senates. So we have 100 districts, we have 50 senate, 100 house, 50 senate. And that's because each senate district is made of two house districts. So we have 150 elected representatives total. So when I say that we have 34 co-signers on this bill and how encouraging that is, I want parents to know that that's only what's 51 minus 34. Somebody do the math. 17. 17. Yeah. 17 is all the number of votes more you need from ready. What's co-signed on there to pass yeah. that bill. So this bill okay. has, this bill has hope. What, uh, tell, tell us about that bill. Yeah. Okay. That That's the, don't the, I'm going to quote it, the don't say gay bill from Florida, even though it's, it just, it just will basically. So what are the repercussions? What are the, because we saw with, with HF802 that um, a lot of that was ignored. And then the Iowa Department of Education did not support that bill and did not enforce it very often. And the process, yeah, the process for, for making a complaint or what it was convoluted and not, not great. No. You're you're absolutely right. And actually, um, this particular bill, at the way it stands right now, in its introduction draft phase, it's um, it does not actually have any enforcement policies in it right now. Okay. Uh, and so that is likely going to be a proposed amendment too, because yeah, okay. how do you hold them accountable once it is once you do have a somebody that. It goes against what the the code is saying, so it doesn't actually have anything in it as it stands. Yeah, okay? so that needs that's definitely something that needs to be added. Yeah, and a lot of people will hear the language. You know, it has teeth. Right. You know how do we how do we hold the schools accountable to things when there is no there are no consequences, and that's been a problem uh, in the past. You know, like when uh, Senate Senate President Chuckman last year. He introduced a he introduced a bill on was it parental rights or transparency, and and he had some stuff in there about enforcement and consequences, you know, for teachers and stuff. And wow, the media just went bonkers over that, you know. And then you always heard them say Chapman wants to put teachers in jail. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I have a I have a bit of a challenge with that because I know there are some woke teachers that believe 
you know, they've gone to school, they've gone to college, they, they believe in this uh, gender affirming stuff that's just kind of infiltrated our culture. But there's a lot that don't. And what happens, I mean, we have some, like at our teacher school or at my kids' school, we have amazing teachers, but we have Mm -hmm. curriculum that comes through, whether it be through CASEL and Second Step, Mm -hmm. uh, SEL program, or say like San Francisco Math, or some of these woke curriculum makers, I guess you would say. And they're taking advantage of these, like a public school, you know, it's free curriculum. Well, free means something, you know, there's nothing's ever free. And then the books that come through, these books are winning awards, you know, the uh, ALA is giving them awards and they're pushed through the system somehow. I don't know that it's Mm -hmm. always the teacher. I mean, is there a, maybe it's the administration that allows it, or maybe, you know, the superintendents, they go to the superintendents association meetings and and events and then they learn all this stuff and it's the greatest Mm -hmm. latest thing to teach at your school or program to put through your school because everybody else is doing it so there's a bigger problem i believe than than we most people know yeah oh absolutely until yeah until they have an incident at their school and then they they have their eyes opened yeah most people just don't don't know i we were at the mall at at the Mall of America, my wife was getting her nails done sitting next to a teacher there. And she was talking to her friends and saying how uncomfortable it was in third grade in Minneapolis having to teach kids about sexual things. And she said it was terrible. It was uncomfortable. She wasn't sure how much longer she would be able to stay in the system. So it wasn't the teacher. I mean, she was being told she had to do these things. And this was the curriculum. These were the books, you know, and I, I coached it. A, a, uh, I'm a life coach too. And I was coaching a teacher from Iowa somewhere. I'm not going to name mm-hmm. from where, but she was getting fed up with all this stuff. And she was in the third grade too. And she would have these kids debating about whether their older sister's friend was a boy or a girl or a, um, <laughs> I don't know, et cetera, but it stresses teachers out to have to deal with this stuff. And they're not yes. the ones that are speaking up at the committee hearing meetings because they would be crucified mm-hmm. by the Iowa Teachers Association. Yeah. And we, I imagine there are some of us that know public teachers. I was just told of another one today in my community who teaches at a public school, but sends their child to a private school because they do not want their children exposed to what they see at school. They have an inside scoop and they are not teased. They don't want to do that to their own children. That's the freedom we have as parents is to make sure you protect your child from things that are harmful to them. You know, I just want to read, can I read something to you? I was, sure. I was following the news about this house file eight, right? The, the don't say gay bill type language. Listen to what um, one of the largest organizations and most active organizations in Iowa that is that is pro LGBT and transgender and all that is Iowa Safe Schools and One Iowa. Both of them are very proactive. And uh, this is a quote from Iowa Safe Schools, which is in these schools. Okay, uh, and I want to read what they said about this bill that says, you know what, guys, five year olds, six year olds, seven year olds, eight year olds don't need to be exposed to 
obscene pornographic material and shouldn't have a conversation about gender identity and sexual orientation when they're that old. Okay. He says that um, this bill puts, I want to, I want to put a caveat on this. When you guys listen to this, listen to what they're saying, listen to the language that is being used here. Think about how it's drawing on your heartstring. Okay. It's an emotional appeal. He says this, this bill house file eight, puts transgender students in danger if a teacher is forced to out them, especially if they have an unsafe home environment or are kicked out of the house. Okay, what age group are we talking about here? Again, we're talking about six, seven, eight-year-olds, okay? Okay. And and their argument, Iowa Safe Schools, is that, yeah, this bill is going to put transgender students in danger. If a teacher outs them, now somebody asked me, what, is, what does that mean, outs them? Basically, it means the teacher tells on them and says, hey, mom, hey, dad, you got a child over here that uh, wants to be a boy or wants to be a girl if they're the opposite sex. And so, you know, the push is that, that the school can retain that information, keep it private and not share that, right? And that they have an obligation to do that, to protect the child, that's that's how they're spinning this. This protects them just in case they're going to be harmed at home because they they come out as, you know, they, they come out as transgender. That's just not it. Let me let me read another quote. Okay. I just want you to hear the mind of the opposition that will come against bills like this. Again, talking about K through three in this bill. They're addressing this bill, restricting any LGBT conversations in K through third grade classrooms can hurt students' ability to empathize with others. So, you know, that sounds like, oh my, we want children to care about each other, right? We want them to love each other. We want them to respect each other. If we don't do this, we may, we may limit how they can relate and, and care about other students. We'll restrict their compassion. Uh, so I find that fascinating language because oftentimes the left, the LGBT community, whatever you want to, the, the the people that oppose bills like this that want to protect children and just leave children alone and let children be children, use language that is very appealing to people who uh, want who 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 are compassionate and who who want to care. Okay, it's very dangerous because very passionate kind people get on the wrong side of the issue and they fight for it because they see it genuinely as a, as a, as an argument to, that can really help and protect people, you know, can, can help these children that are pretty much non-existent in most schools. I don't know a whole lot of, you know, six-year-olds that are, you know, I don't know a lot of six-year-old girls that are, that, that just want to be boys. Uh, no, I think not. when I was six, I wanted to be a Jedi Knight or something like that. I mean, well, I don't, I don't quite, I, and I love that you mentioned that and that you explained it so well, because I've been trying to, I, I couldn't have explained it better because really people are compassionate and people don't, they don't mm -hmm. want, they don't want kids to be hurt. They don't want, they don't want anybody to feel less than they don't want somebody to be bullied. And it's really manipulative. Mm -hmm. Turn that exactly. around on people and to use it as a tool 
to mm-hmm. do something that will be so much more harmful in the length mm-hmm. of somebody's childhood and adolescence and in growing up that exactly. eventually will could cause them irreversible damage because you're you're really sending them down a path that could be very harmful and we all know that the we are told that if you don't affirm these students who are either want to be a different sex or trans or whatever it's over i think there's over 150 genders now it's absolutely oh my goodness yeah 150 Um, i just had somebody told me that today it was like 164 or something so 164 different genders yes it's very fluid you know wow whatever you want so (laughs) um, the the danger in this is if you don't affirm you know, this, this idea in their minds that they will be suicidal. Yeah. And yeah. what parent wants to hear that, oh my gosh, my child's going to kill themselves if I don't affirm the fact that they want to be a different, they, they want to be Here's what they parents. say. They say better to have a live son than a dead daughter. Bingo. Thank you. Right? That's right. And how, how and wonderful is that to say that to a parent when the truth is, yes the opposite. Some girl goes and mutilates herself, removes, has a mastectomy, takes mm-hmm. a bunch of hormones that could be cancer causing, who knows, could could have all sorts of issues. We've seen some of the detransitioners that are now suing their parents in schools that are saying, this is terrible. I can't believe they allowed me to do that. I was just a naive young kid. These influences were influencing me. The psychologist said, oh, well, you must be a born in the wrong body. Let's help you transition. Who was there to stand up for me? That's mm-hmm. what these people are. That's what these young people are saying who have been. And there's a book. Uh, I, I can't remember her name. It's called Irreversible Damage. I mentioned it on the last podcast. Walt Rogers recommended it to me. And the transgender among young women is up 4,000%. I mean, they're at this age where they're just trying to figure things out. I've had two daughters go through school and I had to read the book Queen Bees and Wannabes to try to figure out their social structure and how all that works. Because my two boys, much easier. But the girls, that whole dynamic of trying to find yourself and where you fit in with your peer group and all those things and have validation they're struggling and they're take, being taken advantage of at that critical moment in their lives. Yep. Very, very true. We all know that children are impressionable and vulnerable. And quite frankly, it's a Marxist attempt to destabilize children. When you confuse the very identity of them, the very idea that they are, they're actually a boy, you know, I mean, talk about confusion. At, the, at its bay, at its deepest root, when you do that, and that child goes along, they're easy, easily manipulated. Okay, so so is guilting. Okay, when you when you when you mention about the parents, oftentimes manipulation results in guilting people who uh, who deny then common sense. Okay, boys, girls, very simple. It's common sense. Okay, I'm I'm sorry we even have to have this argument, and that, that the legislature is having to spend all this time fighting for common sense, basic ideas that 10, 20, 30 years ago would not have even been on the radar for us, okay? I talk to young 20, 22-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 
even now. And they're they're looking back to their high school years four or five years ago, not that long ago. And they're saying it wasn't like that when I was there. That's how fast it is. It is. I was sitting I was sitting and I was sitting in a meeting with our superintendent and he said to me and we had kids older kids that went to school together he said is it really that much different than when our older kids were younger and I said yeah it's a lot different just in the last few years the public school system has changed just in the last few years you know you don't you didn't have you know kids in junior high school or late elementary Mm -hmm. school concerned about their gender and worried about worried about all this crazy stuff and it has changed and it has changed rapidly and i've noticed it this year even more than other years for sure but i want to just throw out a website so i do chair the protect my innocence group and we have a website and i encourage you guys if you want to get on there and just sign up for uh you know notifications and stuff like that it's just protectmyinnocence.org and we have on there a lot of resources and a lot of other links that people can go to as they even a link to what if your 12 year old comes home and says, Hey mom, you know, I think I want trans transition. What on earth do you do about that? And I've heard stories of that and they've been exposed to ideas that you have to sort of root out again, that common sense that you cannot change your gender. You can't, it's immutable. And, and it's a blessing. You were born that way and it's a good thing. And so, you know, to, again, going back to the ideas that you can destabilize children by confusing them like that is just wrong, just plain up wrong. And I know most of your listeners, I, we don't have to convince them of that. That's why they follow freedom loving people like you is because they, they, <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> it's very I simple. Know. I like, know. Common sense. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, one of my favorite quotes that um, I absolutely love is, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. (laughs) It's a much finer way to say, you know, the KISS method. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hey, there's another bill. Okay. Yeah, we've There's got we've got three bills, and if we continue this, it's gonna it's gonna be uh, dark before we're done. So, okay. okay. Um, HF eight, the uh, that's yep. that sounds great. We'll we'll make sure we get that expanded to seniors and put some teeth in it. And then uh, what's the next one? So we've got eight. We've got House File nine. This one is is real quick. Again, all it says is that uh, teachers uh, administration. You can't hide things from the parents. It basically is um, requiring that parental consent be given for accommodations, I want to say, intended that will affirm a student's purported gender identity if it's not the same as their biological sex. So they're not going to be saying, okay, you want to be called Max, you want to be called Mary at school. We're not going to tell your parents, but we're going to tell the teachers to call you Mary. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Perfect. That that's and, and, another common yeah. sense bill that we shouldn't have to have yeah. that I we need to support. Exactly. Also, it, it says that school employees can't pressure or coerce the parents or the student to proceed with treatment or intervention to affirm their new gender identity. You can't. They cannot be encouraged to seek out that. Um, they're they're ma- they're trying to move so that young adults who aren't even of legal age to smoke or drink and things like that. 
be able to have the authority to make permanent and irreparable changes to their body. Okay. At two, right. at 15, 16, there's, there's move, movements for that. It's, it's crazy. irreversible damage. You yeah, can't smoke, exactly you right. can't vote, you can't buy alcohol, you can't uh, join the military, but you can um, take hormones, mutilate yourself. Yeah. And, yeah. Not okay. When you're as young as 15. When, and you know, we all look back, you guys, when we were 15 and you realize, gosh, I didn't know anything. <laughs> no, no. I knew yeah. nothing. My parents knew everything (laughs) and I thought they knew nothing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So HF nine. Fantastic. What's the next bill? Okay. So again, this is one of the top 12 priorities. So be encouraged parents. Again, this is a priority bill and it's house file five. And that's all about curriculum transparency, which was addressed last year too. It did not survive session. All right. It was killed. This particular house file on curriculum transparency, five, it will require districts and charter schools to post the syllabus or written summaries of classes and how they meet their educational standards. It'll require a list of the school library books that are available. It will put protocols in place for a review of instructional materials and library books, which is already in place. And as we know, a lot of our moms have been through that already, but if there aren't, it will look at that. And then, of course, uh, uh, professional development courses for teachers. It must post those. Okay, they have to be uh, released and 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 put out there. And this one does have some enforcement built into it. I have not actually read this bill yet. I'm sorry. I have the, just the notes on it, but it it will uh, require that the Department of Education withhold or replace or place restrictions on school funding if a teacher continues to be out of compliance. And so this will there be you go. That, that will make the difference because all these superintendents are super concerned about funding. They'll take $300,000 to mask your kids and they'll be concerned about every dime. So if you, if you restrict their funding because they've violated some of these rules, that will make the difference. Yes. Yeah. You know, they always say, you know, hit them where it hurts. And yeah, we know that public schools are very, very protective and fight a lot for their funding and they never have enough, even though we know that uh, the public schools get what, 50, 54%, something like that, 53% of the entire state budget. Now, please understand, you guys, what that means. That means everything that the state makes for revenue more than half of it goes to the public schools and everything else you realize what's left um, includes everything for any, anything that's paid for state all of your all of your uh, court systems your justice system we it's amazing because everything does always boil down to the money and as I'm seeing as a newbie here you know hearing people come to the, the capital and say we need more funding for this we need more funding for that. Iowa faces, uh, we're at a great financial spot right now. Our budget that they projected for this year is going to be $9.1 billion. Okay. That's what we have to work with. So half of that, almost five, is going to go to the school. It's just boom. Right? Now we're left with the four, four and a half billion dollars that we get to work with for 
everything else. And I don't think people understand how many entities that is for everything else. It's a lot. (laughs) So I can't speak to that a lot because I'm still learning so much of that, but I'm amazed at how, uh, how those billions are just so quickly. Yeah. And, And it's, yeah, it's never enough, but yet at the same time, you know, the Republicans have prided themselves on the fact that they are trying to take the tax burden off of families and, and individuals so that we're not, yeah, we're not so weighed down by it. And of course, the governor's proposing uh, property tax reform this year. That's one of our main priorities. And so, you know, and then last year was was the income tax. And so, you know how it is, budgets, you have to, you got to have, you have the money coming in before it can go out. And so how do you always balance that? And that's, that I tell you is that it takes a special, special people <laughs> to do because they're working with billions in a budget. Yeah. I'll stick with my home budget, I think. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so anyway, you go. not to switch to the different topics, but yeah, five amazing bills, you guys, that came down as priorities. And so these are the some of the top 12 priority bills coming out of the House this year, House File 5, 8, and 9. And they all have to do with protecting children from harmful, obscene, pornographic material in public schools. And this is the very reason why we just are spending the first portion of our general elect, the General Assembly, talking about school choice, (laughs) okay? This is one of the reasons why. Now, it's not the only reason, but it is certainly the main reason because parents want out and they need options and they're gonna tolerate this kind of harmful stuff to their children. So yeah, these five, these three bills are very exciting to see. I'm, I'm, I, and like I said earlier, it's the reason why I got into this in the first place. So from, I understand too, from previous legislators who have done this for a while, uh, they have not seen such a conservative start to the beginning of the year, you know, uh, right off the bat. And so they're very encouraged that the social issues that caused such an uproar in the primary and general elections this past year, are, are truly being brought to the forefront by leadership, okay, by leadership and all of them as a whole. So I'm, it's really, really encouraging. We're going to see something get done this year. I, I truly believe that. And, and if that doesn't happen, we get next year and we tweak it and we make it better. Wow. If it happened then, we got an election in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> we may have the same thing happen again, where the social conservative issues of the day are going to take precedence over uh, just your routine political um, discussions. So very, very exciting. Yeah, so it's very exciting. And I think I think it's just a testament that to the work, the hard work of parents and community members yes. to reach out to their legislators and their representatives and to the governor you know, the last time I talked to her, she said, education is number one this session. It's a top thing on their priority list. And that is because everyone, every parent in Iowa has been reaching out and saying, hey, look, we're, this isn't okay. You know, we need to, we need to do something about these issues. And, and I feel like the governor has been listening and our, our representatives have been listening and definitely our voters have been listening, right? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and we see the various levels of government responding. We actually do. So we're going to keep following through and we're going to keep focusing and pushing it and and we will get results. I truly do believe that 
we just, uh, I just want to be careful that we don't just get thrown a bone, you know, like here's a little something now go away. <laughs> no, yeah, we can't yeah. do that. Everybody has to stay engaged. Okay. Pace yourself, pace yourself. That's not a sprint. Now the general assembly time when we're in session is definitely a sprint, but pace yourself so that you can do this for the next several years and perhaps decades as we, we, we take back what has been stolen from our children. And that is their childhood and their innocence. And this it's going to take time. So we cannot let up. Well, thank you, Helena. Those are those are great words to end up the podcast on. And we really appreciate what you're doing. We appreciate what what our representatives are doing right now and we want to support them. Tell me your website again, the Protect My Innocence website. Yep. It's just protectmyinnocence.org. Okay. So all lowercase. Find yep. out who your representatives are and get to know them. Spend time with Send her a big thank you and email your legislator. Tell them to take a hard look at HF8, HF9, HF5. Tell them to vote yes on the school choice bill. We need to get that through. And we will we will definitely try to keep you all updated on on legislation. If you feel so inclined, find the donate button. And we are the Freedom Factor, Iowans for Freedom. You can find us on our Facebook page or www.iowans4freedom.org. So until the next time, have a blessed day. And thank you so much, Helena, for joining us. We will see thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. For sure. Thank you. Thank you.